بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله Brothers and sisters, we begin episode number 25 of the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And alhamdulillah, we've come to the part where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has conquered Makkah. This is famously known as Fathu Makkah. Fath is an Arabic word. Fath means victory. Fatha. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam conquered Makkah, he wanted to sh- demonstrate mercy. He wanted to show that Islam was a when we come to take over a place, uh, the Prophet ﷺ wanted to demonstrate how humble he was and that everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we mentioned that when he was on the camel, usually Allah was from Fagri Finta. Most of the time, Fagri On the conquest of Makkah, the Prophet ﷺ specifically says on that day, he actually wanted to be a bit special and he wore a, a black turban. So on that day he wore a black turban when he walked in and he still had that black turban on uh, And when he came in he was so humbled that uh, his beard, Dari Mubarak, was actually touching the back of his camel. His camel was called Kaswa. It was a famous camel. Everybody knew the camel of the Prophet So when this took place, um, Rasulullah now has the keys of the Kaaba. He hands it over to the famous uh, companion who accepted Islam. Uh, none other than Uthman ibn Talha radiallahu anhu and uh, his family to this day have the keys I don't know if you got a chance to look at it on YouTube but if you look the keys to the Kaaba eyes for zonto oh family oh bongchor mazeboru is Uthman ibn Talha they're still alive today that family they have it are even so dir bashazuz in Kaaba sharif dekhta sain tarar onumutiluti bar tarar eloiya tarar nizekulun ita so dir bashagis safi dooina so look at that, even uh, MBS or anybody who wants to see, they have to ask to open the box and get the key and they have to bring them. Then the whole escort of security guards, you see, it. it's a really nice sight to see. And you, if you know the history, then you know, subhanAllah, that's that family that the Prophet promised. And they still hold it. And there's a, like an interview with them. You can hear them speaking in Arabic, the subtitles. And they, they, you know, they mention it with honor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after ayat nazil khusin amra family shamande. Inna Allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan. Inna Allah ya'murukum antu addul amanati ila ahliha. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands you, O Muslims, antu addul amanati ila ahliha, to, to give back the amana to its rightful owner. When the amanat falon khurai ta'amdar, so if somebody uh, is has been granted the amana that uh, in uh, amana is normally a trust in English Ahaki, then that trust isn't taken away it should, it should stay in that person's trust so then they have it until this day so this is the conquest now what happens now is that people now become Muslims in large numbers they've all gathered together and um, Group by group, they're all family by family. They wanted to accept Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ, he first went into Ummahani's house, uh, his auntie's house, and he had a shower. And then he performed eight rakats of Salatul Fatih, the Salah of victory. That's the Sunnah. If you ever conquer any new country, we, we've got to do a Salatul Fatih. So this is a, a, a Salah that the Prophet ﷺ performed. And then after performing this Salah, 
the Prophet ﷺ realized that there's quite a lot of people that won't accept Islam. Uh, so before that, there were certain um, uh, things that the Prophet ﷺ wanted to make clear. Uh, one of them was he did actually call for the execution of approximately about six to seven people. These six, seven people, he can't let them off because of the severe crime that they've committed. So he actually called for these six to seven people. Some of them, they, they ran away, most of them. They weren't nowhere to be seen in Makkah Sharif. And um, from among them, some of them was like uh, Safwan, the son of Umayyah. You had Ikrima, the son of Abu Jahal, some of these law. So uh, later on, obviously, uh, time doesn't allow us to go into detail. Later on, they were granted forgiveness and they accepted Islam. Safwan accepted Islam. Ikrima, the son of Abu Jahal, accepts Islam. Like, can you imagine? Like, oh, the time doesn't allow us to go into detail how they accepted Islam. The, the Sahabas, you know, had to chase them, find them, and they surrendered. You know, they, they accept, accepted the faith. And then, uh, coming back to uh, the, the actual incident, there was no discrimination. Now, the Prophet he wanted to teach there was no discrimination. Now, in that, the Banu Mahzum was one of the strongest families that used to compete with the Prophet's family. Banu Mahzum is Abu Jahal's family. Uh, Khalid bin Walid's family, they're Banu Mahzumi. So what they did, from the Banu Mahzum, there was a lady that was caught guilty, red-handed, she was caught stealing. And because Allah SWT, uh, the Prophet SWT is now implementing the Quranic law onto Makkah now. Makkah Shirifah is a Quran Ayn Sulehan. So if she's been caught stealing, they knew that the rule now is that your hands are going to get chopped off. Not both hands, one hand and a, a and usually one hand is chopped off, not both. So, they tarahon mani kub dragisla. Bichari, suri horsoin, unai horsoin, rongoise. And we didn't realize that the Prophet was extremely strong now. He's going to follow the religion by the book. So her hands going to get caught unless we can somehow persuade the Prophet to do otherwise. So, what did they do? They went to Usama ibn Zaid. Remember Usama ibn Zaid? who was traveling on the camel behind the Prophet the young uh, teenager. He's the son of Zaid bin al-Haritha, his adopted son. So they knew that the Prophet had special love for this child, Osama ibn Zaid. Because his adopted son passed away in battle of Mu'tah. So now he's got Osama ibn Zaid. So they went to Osama ibn Zaid and they said, look, you know, little kid, you're... Uh, uh, and again, uh, history says that he was a black child as well. The Prophet especially money. So then he, he went up to Usama ibn Zayd and said, Look, you're like a grandchild to the Prophet. He treats you like a grandchild. Why don't you go and tell your grandfather um, to, to, to ease off Fatima? You know, this is a different Fatima, not the Prophet's daughter. So she was called um, Fatima Mahzumi. And um, vouch for her. And that we see you, you've very you got a special place in the Prophet's heart. If you just say a few words, maybe the Prophet So then uh, he said, He's only a little kid, right? Remember, he's, in, he's a teenager. So he went and he asked the Prophet that such a lady, you know, you're aware of this lady, Fatima, uh, punishment, punishment. And uh, they've, they've come to me and they're saying to ask you, so, you know, Huzur, you know, what do you think? You know, is there any? 
And the Prophet ﷺ became extremely angry. His face changed. And as soon as this is Usama, his, his own, uh, even the one who he has a soft spot for. And then he said, he says, do you dare to speak to me about one of the hudud, the limits that has been set down by Allah SWT? Allah is a hand set for Do you want me to change that? Oh. So he got ashamed. Because, oh man, I shouldn't have. It's like if Allah SWT says something that if this is the crime, if such a crime is committed, this is the punishment. Do you want me to alter that or something? How dare you ask me about that? So then, thank you Then do you know what he said to him? Because the Prophet was so fair. Kunu discrimination. Fatima. This is one Fatima Mahzumi. And his daughter is called Fatima bint Muhammad. What's his daughter's name? Fatima the son of Muhammad. He said, if my own daughter, Fatima bint Muhammad, committed that crime, I would chop off her hands. That's when Usama said, okay. Sorry, And I shouldn't have intervened. I didn't realize because he's saying, I don't discriminate. Crime's a crime. If it's my own daughter in front of everybody, her hands will be chopped off. Uh, it just shows the Prophet and how fair he was in his kindness and as, as when it comes to punishment, no discrimination as well. So when this happened, obviously, uh, this lady Fatima, her, her hand was cut. However, this lady accepted Islam, did Tawbah, and she did so much Tawbah that she became a pious lady, she even married a companion. So that was her uh, state. At least we know that uh, the crime or she's been punished in this world, Akhirat is punishment lie. That's the consequence. The whole idea of the cutting the hand, uh, especially the youngsters that are grown up in this society. Um, it's, it's, if it's done once, or if the consequence is very severe, then nobody would steal. You've probably seen the World Cup, people were showing, it's all over social media, that you can go to McDonald's and leave your laptop there, come five, six hours later, it's still on the same table. No one takes it. You know, people were sharing this on social media when the World Cup was taking place. You know, this guy goes and does his delivery and he leaves his motorcycle with all his iPhone on there. Um, people say, are you not? He goes, no, no, because in, in, uh, in Qatar, you know, they're very strict. The laws are strict. So no one dares to touch someone else's property, even if it's left in the open. So can you imagine what Islam has... They think, That's what they think. But it's not really like that. Um, so, uh, what's it called? Because I, I remember as a young child, people used to say, Hasani, Saudi, Suri, Khorote, Tarakon, Shif, Ayn, follow Khorina, Adhati, Lai. Yalla, Madur, Khorote, Ami, Ada, Ida, Asai, Nahozo, Saitam. Ami, Jusin, Tarakon, Tarakon, Suri, Khorote, Lai, Lai, Lai. No, people used to say that. And as a kid, they used to say, I don't want to go hard, I heard they cut your hands off. Like the, so anyway, so, uh, this is the, in the Quran, the rules are clear. Wasariku wasarikatu faktaru aidiyahum. Allah says the males a thief and the female thief cut off their hands. The verse is still there; it still stands. Aidiyahum jaza as a punishment of what they have earned, what their hands have earned. So uh, then he ordered that the woman's right hand to be cut off, and she genuinely repented of her sin, and she went on to marry and lead a normal life. Um, next thing is paying homage. Uh, in Islam. So now everybody wanted to welcome the Prophet ﷺ because he's now come home, his real home. Ashul Goro He's back to where he was born. So now you can imagine I want you to like just imagine that for a second. So if the Prophet is extremely happy that he's come back home, this is his real home, naturally the companions are gonna be happy. Are you following? So that means the Ansar are now going to ask a very important question. So, Tara Tara Khanahani. They like Tara Tara Mazeh, you know, MashaAllah, Allah Rasul Kushi. 
After the men finished, then came the women. Now when the women came, then obviously, because the Prophet never ever shook hands with women. So he did a verbal one. Very, very important. It's really sad. It's true. We should take a lesson. The Prophet he never shook hands with any woman. This is part of our faith. And uh, even though in British culture, shaking hands is something seen as a sign of respect, you will see they will respect the majority of them should they should respect your culture that we don't shake hands we follow our prophet he honored women by not shaking shaking because your hand is so precious it's made for your future husband only i'm not your future husband but you never know right so we don't shake hands so at that moment the women were coming one lady was hiding herself do you know who Hind, excellent. Hind, Abu Sufyan Ustri. 
ከርታይኑ አይቺን ፈታቻም ይሆን ሙስሊማኑ ይዘንከን ኢኖ ከናሽካ ሆታም ይባ አላህ ረሱል አላህ ረሱል አፍተር ኤቭሪቲንግ አላህ ይታንዶ ኦቶታ ዳን ሆርሶ ነምራ ጁዶ ሆሲታን ሎጌ ታንሳሳር ወሲ ኮልድ ኾልጃ ሚሲሪያ ኻይሲ ቲንክ አባውት ኦ ቢቻሪ ኦሆን ራዲየላሁ አንሃ ኾይታሙ ይቦ ቢካዝ ሺ ኬም ቱ ኤክሰፕት ኢስላም ቱ ዱዝ ኢስላም ፎርጊቭ ዳስ ኦ ኳስቸን ሶ ናው ሺ ኢዝ ኮሚንግ አንድ ዘን ታን ሺ ሃድ ቬሪ ቦልድ ስፒች Every time the prophet some say something she used to always respond back really boldly so that's the prophet some recognized Umar radiallahu was next to her as well can you imagine the strict Umar radiallahu so he noticed this scene that she came and she, you know she wanted to accept Islam the prophet some some ex- uh, accepted her bayah he knew exactly who she was and he knows that Islam eradicates all sins and when he accepted he told her that you have to accept that there's no more stealing anymore because no more stealing so what about if i've ever steal from my husband Abu Sufyan right so and Abu Sufyan was there as well because Abu Sufyan's like you know please ya rasulullah my wife like just make her muslim if you can right so he said um if you've stolen from your uh, husband that's allowed as like, it's not called stealing once you come into islam as long as the uh, you take a moderate amount from your husband and i mean behind his back mohtafojanis it she's khoyraki so he's like past his past but from now on you can still take money from your husband but take a moderate amount that's fine what else no more killing children you know what she says she goes no more killing children khan amratu hurtan falchi you kill them at badar that's what she said and the umar radhiyallahu anhu started to laugh so hard that like he said the books say here umar radhiyallahu anhu ashili say kan hunya khan bichare khub shahos khan amra falchi ya rafne mar gilis badaro anshani amra amra to maratna anshani so he started to laugh and then he and the process of he understood like, like where she was going with this and accepted her faith and then she actually did ask in the end she says ta amarakta onurat kita khururhan mafuriduka ala allah tumana mafuridwani allah rasulullah is forgiven prima just this is history you can never make the, the very lady who chewed the liver of his uncle has accepted islam and islam wipes away sins so that's why amra dua khurtam ze ze bidori mi khurtam zoto badu ya takhna khana islamophobes islamophobes ze ta islam re tarheet khuro tala ki dua khurtam allah hidayat deta i'm speaking to one person and he says na is george bush gudu zo khoday ba musna itafare na ita hoyna da ni george bush lagi dua khoro allah tar hidayat khorta na na hidayat allah gre hidayat khorta na kono din so there are people who speak like this he said na you know this type of discussion we should you, you never know the worst people worst of worst people accepted islam you just never know we should uh, make dua for them and then when allah opened up makkah uh, he was back in his homeland one ozan khana khani arambo isse allah rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam kan nazilu gis allah rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam he heard and then he quick straight away he gathered the ansar he said right i want to speak to the ansar gather them private meeting and uh, he gathered all of them again cuz ikita hunda mami tum tan khana hani ho rai that ami on tum atandes tum atandes sariya ami on mukashir ta kizimu is that what you guys are saying and they were, they were crying and they were like ya rasulullah is true you know this is what we're ashamed to say but we don't want to lose you we love you to bits we fought for you we accepted you when your people have rejected you amra afnare we gave you a home and then, so if you want to stay in your home it's fine but just you know we, we just love you <laughs> so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam what does he say to them he says a'udhu billah i seek refuge in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says amar hayatu matanologe amar mautu matanologe my life is with you my death this is a fa- famous statement he said he goes my life is with you i'm going to live with you guys when i die he's promising when i die it's going to be in medina where is he today again he's buried in the blessed city of medina tumunawar 
and um, it was they're like wow never heard him say such a thing but this is the Prophet Sallallahu and then the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu he sent groups uh, now what he did was on a Murtifuza finish in Makkah Sharif all the biggest idols they had huge idols all the biggest idols so they had different idol names if you wanted to worship the most largest gods uh, in their opinion it was Lat Uzza Manat and they had to like break down Lat Uzza Manat then came all the small small idols so then the Prophet Sallallahu he told the companions uh, to make an announcement and so they did. So he said to them that they should make an announcement. And um, he sent, uh, uh, this is the announcement. They said, whoever believes in Allah, anybody is here, Allah, at akhirat bishash horoin, the taragoros and gunmurtiyya tahayita bangilita hun. They made an elanata hosin, borayata. So then all the people who've accepted Islam, because they're new Muslims now. If they go home, clearly their house is not Muslimified. So if they go home, they had to like look for all these little idols and they had to smash them. And then uh, the Messenger of Allah he assembled the Muslims in Makkah and declared that this city, because when he realizes no more idols left, they've broken all these idols, and they've realized there's only one God to be worshipped, which is Allah. He then said, he declared the city would be sanctuary forever. He said, from now on, this Kaaba Sharif will be holy, this place. Our Murtifuza won't come back here again. He's literally, for He's made it clear. And when he's done that, he said, it is not halal for anyone who believes in Allah and the Akhirah to spill blood. You know, they can't know Jiddu allowed in this place. So they can't spill blood in this city. Nor can he say, every single tree in Makkah, you can't chop them. So look at the uh, conditions he put. And it was not lawful for anyone before me, nor shall it be lawful for anyone after me. The Messenger of Allah then after the Ikan Khuya, then he returned to Medina. Now the outcome of the conquest, the conquest of Makkah had a tremendous impact on the Arabs. It showed that Islam uh, has paved the way. Now more and more people are accepting Islam. And then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the certain, the last surah of the Quran. Do you know which surah that is? There's Ikhshas Suddo, 114 surahs in the Quran. Foila surah, ila ikra bismi rabbika lidi khalaq. And ikabari shashur surah, the last surah, not to surah nas, not Quran order, revelation order, was surah an-nasr. An-nasr also means victory, help. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْ When the help of Allah and victory comes to you, O Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they are entering in big crowds they entering Islam in large large crowds it's not one or two people accepting Islam big groups are coming and saying the kalima at one time so the Prophet is obviously, you know, to see this scene, they were like, wow, khoi aslam amrar, khoi allah amrar, you know, khtul chuin. For the sake of Islam or kharun amrar, shaman barse. And people are now accepting Islam in crowds, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when you see that, when help has come from Allah, the victories come, and people are entering into Islam in large crowds, fasabbih bihamdi rabbika. Then say subhanallah, say alhamdulillah. Subhanallah, we say this, we say subhanallah 33 times, alhamdulillah. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, so, fasabbih, bihamdi rabbika, and wastaghfir. Astaghfirullah, bishkhari. So, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, you're thanking Allah. 
that means it's time to say goodbye clean yourself say your goodbyes he was very very smart Abdullah was a young companion and no other companion understood this surah like the way he did and Umar knew this that's why Umar during his time he used to bring Abdullah bin Abbas in his meetings and all the companions the elderly white bearded companions used to ask this question they used to say Umar, uh, Ya Amirul Mu'mineen, you know, we have big respect for you and you're always talking about big, big issues in front of us, like which are going to facing uh, the trials and tribulations facing the Ummah. Why do you bring this child with you all this time? Why is the child in meeting or Mazayba Chariano? Abdullah he was a young child. What he did when the Prophet passed away, straight away, he, he went to almost every single companion's house gathering all the gems. He wanted to memorize all the hadith. So he was one of the greatest hadith narrators. He would sit in the courtyard of some companions in their hot heat and be there for hours and end. And then the companion would come out because he wanted to learn. He was a student, a respectful student. He sat there in the heat. The companions would come out and they'd say, Abdullah ibn Abbas, you're the cousin of the Prophet. Why are you putting yourself in so much khoshta. Why are you in the heat? Why didn't you knock on for me? Wow. What respect. It's allowed. That's pure Allah. Time allows me. Once Islam was uh, attracting so much popul- popularity, Islam is now spreading far away. And remember, Ghattafan was a big tribe. Remember they attacked? So there's still Arab tribes who are idol worshippers. And remember Ta'if, they're still idol worshippers. So they're now thinking, Amran neighbor of Quraysh is now gone. 
all Muslim territory. Aramra Ruisi, Zoldi Tara Group Bandilisan. The idol worshippers. And they said, This is our final attack. Let's attack the Prophet. Let's attack the Muslims while we've got a chance. This is our last chance. Oh, Honsun attack Corina, they're just gonna grow, they'll take over us. Amramra Ruimuni Dunyat. Amra Dormo Ruiboni, Amra Mutifuzaita Shashuizibo. They got really worried. So what happened? What is this group called? The Hawazin this is the name of the group. They regarded themselves as the greatest tribe, right? After the Quraysh. I guess the Quraysh shops the uh, largest idol worshipping tribe. On a Hawazin Tarahura Tarazokon night, we are now the largest. We're the spokesperson for the idol worshippers. So what did they do? They had always been rivalry, and now that the Quraysh has submitted, the Hawazin became undisputed champions of the idol worshippers. So now, Malik ibn Auf and Nasri, the Hawazin chief, he called for war. He said, "Light." I'm, going to, I'm declaring war with the Muslims. I need more support. So what does he do? He goes to the tribe of Thaqif. Now the Thaqif tribe, they live in Taif. So he goes to them and goes, Rashad Johor, if you, if me and us get together, right, we can take the Muslims out because we're more in number. They're not as big yet. I need two tribes getting together. So they, well, they got together and then they said, um, how are we going to win? He goes, this is our last straw. If we were about to fight with them, and if they come with full force, they're going to run back home, aren't they? That's called cowardice. So he wanted to make sure no one's a coward in this battle. This guy is crazy. What did Malik ibn Auf and Nasri do? He goes, make sure our animals, you know, our mal, our stock, livestock, can you see what they've done? It's a crazy bold move. Even the Prophet wouldn't do that. Like, he's only done that thinking, we're definitely going to win because we're going to I don't want to be my wife to be widow. So, widow you have to fight on. He didn't want them to uh, um, thingy, retreat. So then this guy, bold move, crazy move anyway, and he did. He went ahead with it. So what did he do? They agreed to advance against the Muslims, taking their property, women and children, all three. Crazy guy. Right, with them, so that everyone would fight in the last, in the defense of his family and possessions. The Messenger of Allah, he set out with 2,000 of the new army. Remember, who remembers the number? 10,000. He's now got another 2 more thousand new troops because they've just become Muslims, a new batch. So, they're not as strong as the 10,000 because the 10,000 Sahabas of Tarar or sacrifice are the so he's got the new batch as well. And then when they came, how many ready? 12,000 soldiers ready for jihad. Has the Prophet ever fought with 12,000 before? Never. So obviously, they looked back and they said, wow, there's 12,000 of us. Right? And Allah didn't like it. And Allah ayat nazil calling them out on that. If you want to fight. So then they said, look, I 
hiding behind the hill and the muslims are trapped right in the center they're going into this path right and they're going in and in and in and as soon as they reach the center what do you think they shouted attack and they started to shower arrows down and if you're showering arrows down and you don't know where it's coming from what do you think the muslims did then they run back muslims don't retreat do they but this time they did why did this happen because allah wanted to teach them a lesson khulainu numbers what's numbers so then uh, they retreated and because nobody knew nobody every man for themselves like yalla knew and they ran back so that means they weren't really thinking about defending the prophet so while the prophet was still on his mule facing forward one thing the prophet never in his life retreated ever in fact the prophet never this is uh, in the scholars they say this he never forget in battle even in normal situation he never took one step back he never walked backwards in his life never it's a, it's a sunnah. Sometimes we walk back, I don't know, for whatever reason. For he never took a step back. He was always a forward walking. So then, uh, and especially in battle. In battle, he ne- not has he ever put, taken one step back. Just for the sake of maybe someone might have attacked him. He wouldn't do that. He was always step. So the Prophet was he was still advancing. Ikhla. Because all the companions are gone. So he's on the white mule. And then... Um, now the Prophet is fighting almost by himself. And uh, when this uh, situation arose, the Muslim fled, non-paying attention to anyone. And it was a critical moment, a complete route for the Muslims. Now, because they can see people are dying and this, so again, another rumor spread that the Prophet is dead. Because they can't find him. They said, no, it's over. We've lost. Right? So then when this happened, the Prophet also heard the rumor as well, and he got Abbas radiallahu In them days, they didn't have microphones, so he had to find the person with the biggest, loudest voice, and that was his sasa. So he quickly called Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. It was a bit like the Uhud situation. And um, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed the verse, chastising, you know, for boasting about the strength of maid. And then uh, they, they had to remember that both came from Allah. Victory comes only from Allah. It's not numbers. Why now claim numbers? So then uh, the peace of Allah seemed to descend once more. Then Allah brought the fight back. I mean the actual fight didn't really start because they just ran away. Then the Prophet calls them back via Abbas. He then shouts. What does he shout? He shouts, men of Ansar. He calls for the Ansar. He's not calling the 2000. <laughs> Listen to how he says it. He goes, Men of Ansar and O, o people of the Hudaybiyah tree. And he's calling for them. Because they're the loyal Muslims. So when he says, Men of Ansar, look, he didn't say Men of Muhajirun. So, and this, he said, Men of Ansar, come now, come to the aid of the Prophet. He's right here, because I'm standing right next to him. So they ran to that voice. And then he said, O people of the Acacia tree, you know, meaning the Hudaybiyah famous tree. Where are those 1,500? You can't go straight away. And as soon as they came, Abbas had a loud voice which he carried well. And the soldiers, uh, obviously, 
they started to uh, come back. And the Prophet as he was fighting still by himself, he was, they used to shout slogans to, uh, anyone done martial arts, sometimes you have this thing called, um, akata. You know what akata is? You throw a punch, but if you make a noise and you throw a punch, it's more effective. Right? If you say ki, I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a martial art move. So then the Prophet he said something which enraged everybody, which allowed him to advance more. And he said a famous statement. And the, because they were very poetic, he says, Muttalib. He kept on saying that. I am a prophet, there's no denying I am the son of Abdul Muttalib. I mean, don't mess with me. I mean, Abdul Muttalib or Saleh. You know, so he kept on saying that, and he obviously it rhymed with him saying he's not a uh, he is a prophet, and he's uh, which there is no denying. So Anan Nabi Kadib, Abdul Muttalib, that was a slogan, and he kept on fighting. And then people realized because he's that's a true statement. So uh, then they all gathered around him, and Abbas had a loud voice which carried well. The soldiers rushed back towards him, dismounting from their camels and taking up their swords and shields. When a large group of them had gathered, then the real fighting, uh, the real uh, fighting began. And then both sides fought bravely and a group handcuffed prisoners was brought. Then they won the battle, alhamdulillah. Allah is a victory lesson because they came back. When they won the battle, they caught many people. Now, not only did they catch the people, the men, obviously, they had to run away. So then some of them, where did they run away to? So the Messenger of Allah stood up in his stirrup and his people took heart. Both sides fought bravely and a group of, uh, a group of handcuffed prisoners was brought to the Messenger of Allah, sent down. Uh, and he, they filled the valley and the Hawazin were defeated. This was referred to in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Battle of Hunayn by name in the Quran. And Badr. They're the only two battles that are mentioned by name in the Quran. Badr is mentioned. Here, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that وَلَقَدَ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَوَاتِنَ كَثِيرًا وَيَوْمَ Hunain. So the Hunayn is mentioned in the Quran as well. Allah says, Allah has already helped you in many fields. وَيَوْمَ Hunain. And when I say on the day of Hunayn, إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثَرَتُكُمْ When your multitude was pleasing you, you guys got too happy. You got too happy over the numbers. Allah's calling them out. إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثَرَتُكُمْ Right? So Allah says, when your numbers pleased you, فَلَمْ تُغْنِي عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا But it didn't help you at all, did it? Numbers wasn't what helped you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reprimands them, but then he does say to them that then soon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them victory. So now moving on, the expedition of Ta'if, um, I'll mention this tomorrow. So now the, the people who got defeated, they've now run away, and a batch of them, they ran to Ta'if. Ta'if from Azahana because they had big, big, uh, gates. The city had gates. So when they went inside, the Banu Thaqif, they locked the gates. What they did was a terrible mistake. Their women, children, and all that they've left. So they did become a coward in the end. So what does the Prophet do with all these women and children and all these animals? What a big mistake. All their livestock, all their properties there as well. So uh, this inshallah will carry on tomorrow inshallah.